You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. Today, we are here to discuss Mission Impossible. This film came out 25 years ago in 1996. It is directed by Brian De Palma. It stars Tom Cruise, John Voight, Emmanuel Baer, Ving Rhames, Jean Reno, and Henry Zerny. The genre would be spy thriller. So happy 25th anniversary to Mission Impossible, the film and the franchise that it started, which I have to admit, when I first saw it opening night 25 years ago, I found it a bit disappointing but it has grown on me quite a bit since. I think this is the first film Brian De Palma directed that wasn't R-rated, along with the first time that he was pretty much a hired gun for a big-budget star vehicle. I believe it also had at least four big-time screenwriters hired to reconfigure it and polish it throughout production. Needless to say, this was a bit of a Franken-movie, and upon first viewing, that kind of shows. But that doesn't make it bad, as this feels very much like a Brian De Palma movie. The plot never slows down. You have his famous split diopter shots throughout the movie. Actors are often going over the top physically when you least expect it. Just watch John Voight in one key scene. You know the one. And there's always some weird sexual stuff. Even though this movie's PG-13, there's always some weird sexual stuff simmering below the surface, because that's Brian De Palma. Just watch Vanessa Redgrave in all of her scenes. And of course, because we're in the De Palma-verse here, there has to be a powerhouse set piece involving trains and or train stations as there was in Carlita's Way, The Untouchables, Blowout, and they're all great scenes. So, of course, that brings us to the cruise missile, as he was known at the time of release, at least according to me. He's the star here. Tom Cruise is literally on screen for the entire runtime, and the whole plot revolves around his IMF, quote, point man, quote, Ethan Hunt. This was technically his first full-on action movie, and Cruise just goes full throttle. He does nicely with the action, especially that now often imitated heist sequence, at the CIA Langley headquarters. You know the one where he's hanging upside down and has to be super quiet? It's a great scene. But beyond that, his performance just never slows down. Cruz is all twitches and broad smiles and determined eyes darting all around. Even when his character is just supposed to be tired, he's just blinking madly. But it just works. He's fun and engaging to watch throughout. Just the way he screams over the phone, They're dead. My team, my team is dead! It actually fits nicely with the heightened suspense tone that De Palma is going for. Now, unfortunately, not everything works, mainly the story, at least for extended chunks. I guess we're supposed to care about this knock list falling into the wrong hands. That's what they're looking for. That's what you would call the MacGuffin. But I found it hard to do so when the main buyer was Max, who was delightfully played, by the way, as if she's caressing each syllable by Vanessa Redgrave, a legendary British actress. Who are you, and what are you doing here? It's a pure MacGuffin, and that would be okay in any number of other spy thrillers. 
And for those who might not be versed in this term, a MacGuffin is an object or device in a movie that serves merely as a trigger for the plot. It was coined by Alfred Hitchcock. Just a recent rewatch for me of North by Northwest comes to mind. It's all about MacGuffins. But given that it's the only real stakes that are raised in the film's plot, Ethan doesn't really develop any key relationships except maybe building a budding friendship with a hacker whiz, Luther, who's played very nicely by Ving Rhames. It all leaves the story feeling a bit hollow towards the end. And now, even though I've already given you a spoiler alert, in the interest of redundancy, I'm going to do another one. Spoiler alert. This is for, a, of course, for a 25-year-old movie that has had multiple sequels, mind you. But spoiler alert, okay, you've been warned. Yes, there is that double cross in the final act. But do we really care? Both John Voight, who plays Jim Phelps, and Tom Cruise, they give fun performances, but I never really felt any kind of kinship between them. Just based on Voight's mannerisms and attire in the opening act, it seems fairly obvious that he's going to take a heel turn. By the time that Jim Phelps reveals that he himself is Job, my initial reaction was, yeah, and? But then my reaction after that was, wait a second, Jim Phelps is the villain? And that brings me back to one of the main reasons why I believe I found this film a bit disappointing on opening night. I saw it with my mother, and my mother and my father were huge fans of the TV show. And actually, I watched it with them quite a bit growing up. And honestly, all of these years later, this still bothers me. I was a fan of the original show and even the 80s reboot. And both of those shows starred Peter Graves as Jim Phelps. He was the leader of the IMF team and he was the show's main protagonist. So given that, why do they have to not only make him the main villain in this movie, but why do they have to make him a truly homicidal one who just shoots his wife dead for no reason in the final act? Yeah, I get it. This is an adaptation into a different medium. That was TV, this is film. Short visit, but very pleasant, Commandante. And this has obviously been reconfigured into a star vehicle for Tom Cruise. That's all good, but it just felt and it still feels like such a genuine dick move for the filmmakers to do that to the show's main hero for no other reason than just to have a twist which was already poorly telegraphed. Phelps was an iconic character, Graves was iconic in that role, and the show was enormously popular. Now, I'm not trying to sound all entitled geek here, but it's just an unnecessary slap in the face to the fans of the show and the original star. There was just no reason for it. They could have had the Phelps character die in the beginning or have him retire, or maybe just have Voight play a new character who's taken over. It wouldn't have hurt the film one bit. And if you think this sounds like a silly quibble, maybe it is. But just imagine, just imagine, if you will, if a new Captain America movie came out, Cap comes back, he betrays his fellow Avengers, and he murders one of them. Can you imagine the uproar that that would cause with Marvel fans? That's my point. Okay, rant over. For the most part, though, this is a very entertaining movie. The cast surrounding Cruise is top-notch, and most of them have memorable moments, from Jean Renault's annoyed, befuddled expression on his face, flying that helicopter in the climax as if he's saying, really? Why am I in this tunnel? To Henry Zerny, his pinched delivery of every threat he makes, especially when he says something like, Let's not waste time chasing after him. Just make him come to us. Find something that's personally important to him and you squeeze. Overall, this is a fitting first chapter to a franchise that is still amazingly going strong all these years later, even though this this particular episode was vastly different from any of the sequels that followed. Unfortunately, the Jim Phelps thing is always going to bother me quite a bit. So, I don't know, maybe in some future Mission Impossible film, they could retroactively turn him back into a good guy? I don't know. Star Wars did it. So why not? 
So that brings us to the categories. And the first category is Best Needle Drop. That is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. Come on, this is so easy. It's the original theme. The original theme from Lalo Schifrin. The one you can't stop humming. The one that is played throughout the movie. And it's adapted very nicely by the composer, Danny Elfman. I cannot hear that theme enough. Now, the Wasted Talent Award is the next one. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. This is a spoiler, but this all happens in the first 25 minutes anyway. So the Wasted Talent Award would have to go to, well, it would be a tie, actually. be a tie between Kristen Scott Thomas and Emilio Estevez. They're both basically cast as part of the initial team in the early part of this movie. At the time this movie came out, Thomas was on the come up and Estevez, this was probably his last major role, but both of them are a lot of fun to watch in that opening set piece, which goes on for probably about the first 25 minutes. Hasta lasagna, don't get any onion. If I'm being honest, I would not have minded it an initial film, a first film that actually just had this whole team intact before most of them were eliminated. I completely get the plot zigzag that De Palma was going for. He's a student of Hitchcock after all, and I can respect that. But I would have liked more Kristen Scott Thomas and more Emilio Estevez. The next category would be trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. If you're selling this movie to somebody, this is what you want to show them to sell it. Now, the easy answer for this trailer moment would have to be the Langley heist and Cruz's acrobatics as he lowers himself into that chamber. And it's a great sequence. It's iconic. We all know what he looks like in that tight black garb, you know, hovering above that computer. But to me, that's actually not the best trailer moment. To me, a more representative clip for this film would be Cruz being Cruz, going all batshit, trying to resemble a human being under pressure. If I had to pick one, it would probably be his tense sit down early on with Kittredge, who is played with that sharp snippiness by Henry Zerny. Henry Zerny was probably the Christoph Waltz of his day, I guess you could say. He said everything in a very clipped manner. He was a lot of fun to watch. The whole exchange between them is just a masterclass in stage acting, but for a movie. But it really works especially well as the camera keeps closing in on each of their faces as they go back and forth. I can understand you're very upset. Kittredge, you've never seen me very upset. All right, Hunt. Enough is enough. You have bribed, cajoled, and killed, and you have done it using loyalties on the inside. You want to shake hands with the devil that's fine with me. I just want to make sure that you do it in hell. And then that leads us to the final category. That would be the MVP, the person or people most responsible for the success of this film. It'd be tempting to say De Palma because he's a great director. I love a lot of his films, and he has a stamp on this, but he's not the MVP. We know who the MVP is. The MVP is the cruise missile, even with all the talent involved in this film, including De Palma, including some major screenwriters at the time who were all hired to do punch-ups on this, like David Kep, who wrote Jurassic Park like a few years before, or Robert Town, who wrote Chinatown a couple decades before. This was Cruz's baby. This was the first film he produced with his longtime partner, Paul Wagner. And despite the production apparently being a bit of a mess, he made it all happen at the end of the day. And in the 25 years since then, he has kept this franchise going. Even as over that time, he has evolved from America's biggest movie star sex symbol for a generation to the American Jackie Chan. Now, that's not to say, of course, that Jackie Chan isn't sexy himself. If I had to rate this film, I would rate it three stars out of five. I like this film. I think there are better films in the franchise to come. I think Cruz has been better films. I think De Palma's directed better films. I think there's been better spy thrillers. I'm a huge James Bond fan, just for example. But it's a fun film, and I would certainly encourage you to check it out. If you want to see this film, it is currently streaming online, I believe, at Paramount+, Plus, and I believe it's also streaming on Prime Video. Stay tuned and join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.